you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. What is up? Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast presented by Caesar Rewards. I am your man, MG Marcus Grant. Socially distancing and masking when and where possible. Glad you could be with us. And, uh, you know, we are in the midst of our fantasy camp series. We have gotten through the AFC. We've done one division in the NFC. So we keep marching along. As always, I've got two guests that I'm very excited to talk to. We will get to them in just a moment as we talk the NFC North. But uh, before we get too deep into this, I want to talk to my faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, how are things where you are right now? Well, they were good until about 4 a.m. this morning when we had a, uh, a bit of an earthquake there. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to diagnose myself with vertigo. I, I, I'm, I'm like Lucille too in Arrested Development. I, I'm starting like to like grab stuff now because I'm afraid of like it's if it's shaking or it's just my my brain. So I have to like watch stuff in my in my house that hangs to make sure that I am on like level equilibrium or whatever. It's bad. Yeah, no, I feel you on that because I feel like at this point I may like you know hang a tennis ball from the ceiling and see like if the tennis ball is swaying, then I'm like, oh okay, there's an earthquake right. and it's not just me like having a mild panic attack or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, like so, the guy in uh, uh, Jurassic Park with the with the, the cup of water where if you see that moving, yeah. it's like, I'm just going to leave that on like every table then, I have. 
Yeah, no, I understand. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If there was an earthquake, for those of you who, who don't know, who don't live in the LA area, there was an earthquake, a 4.2, which is a decent sized shaker uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, normally people on Twitter know that because everybody in LA will tweet earthquake when it happens, but it was the middle of the night. So I don't think any of us got up to do that. So uh, thanks, Eddie. Uh, we will all get through this one together. But Let's bring in my guests now. The first one, you know her from Yahoo Sports. She has been a stalwart there for a very long time. Has a podcast over there with our old pal Matt Harmon, uh, amongst others. Uh, one of the one of my favorite people on Twitter, and I'm glad to have her on the show. It is the one and only Liz Loza. Liz, thanks for jumping in. How are you? I'm great, Marcus. I too am in the Los Angeles area, and while I'm not considering hanging a tennis ball from my ceiling i would like to maybe get some sleep i know i know that that's that's nuts but it would be nice to sleep through a whole night i don't have a newborn anymore so in fact the last time i was on your pod i was uh hiding a pregnancy i was like 10 or 11 weeks pregnant the last time i was on your show she's not a newborn anymore but i'd still like to sleep oh yeah you know what sleep yeah whatever it's 2020 nobody nobody gets to sleep anymore in 2020 uh my other guest it's all canceled. There it is. My other guest, you know him. You know him from this very podcast. I mean, he used to sit in this role that I am in right now. Uh, I was asked, in fact, I was asked if I was going to start this show by saying fantasy freaks and geeks, but I feel like I would owe him some royalty if I did. Uh, he has been all around the world and now is back to sit in with us for the day. It is my good friend, James Co. James, welcome back to the pod, man. How are you? I'm doing great, MG. My guy Marcus Grant uh, over there just holding it down and, and just doing a, a superb job. Man, it has been a minute, right? It's been um, a little over two years. It's been a couple of years. Uh, yeah, since it's been I've a couple been of years now. Yeah, so so it's good to be back and, and talking with you, and, and of course talking fantasy football. You know what? We should just rebrand this thing though as the Young Parents Podcast. That's that's really <laughs> right? what we should be doing. <laughs> I got yeah, a ten month old son. Right? Liz has got a young one. MG's got a young one, man. We just yeah. let's just talk about diapers and stuff. Let's do that. <laughs> the, the 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 you know we'll have the draft of best fantasy diapers or whatever. Uh, you know, <laughs> Huggies at the one dot oh one, something like that. Um, so I I wanted to have you guys on to talk about the NFC North, and we'll get to that. But I think we'd be remiss to not talk about what has been maybe the biggest story over the last 24 hours, eh, a couple days even. I mean, we've seen players starting to opt out uh, as they have the option to do that now as we get closer to the season. And, and we'll see a lot more names, I think, over the next week. But uh, on Wednesday, Fantasy Twitter sort of lit up because Damian Williams announced that he was opting out for the Kansas City Chiefs. And so obviously the name Clyde Edwards-Hilaire started burning up the timelines uh, across mm -hmm. Fantasy Twitter. Uh, knowing that the guy who was his main competition in that backfield is not going to be there. So, Liz, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on CEH, how, how, how far have you moved him up, and what is his ceiling this year? Well, I've always been a C H E C E H A C E H uh, truther. <laughs> I've appreciated in the in the in the Jonathan Taylor C E H debate. I have always been pro C E H. Have comped him, in fact, to your own M J D. Everything from the hyphens to the playing style to the size <laughs> seems to line up between those two players. So I think that this is great news. Um, I have moved him inside of my top eight players at the position. Um, so, he, I, you know, I think it's somewhere between RB6 to RB8 is where I feel comfortable um, ranking him. I do think, however, though, that there is – it's a weird offseason. Uh, it's a weird preseason. And 
I am interested to see how immediately he is used. There is no doubt that the weapons at his disposal and the offense at his disposal is completely lit and he's going to go, I think he's going to go ham. But um, his reps at the top of the season will be, to me, the most interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, James, you're, you're, you're feeling on him. Is he, is he in that top top six or eight for you now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, he's in the world's greatest offense. Uh, he's the, the lead back. They don't have too much competition behind him. Um, I, I know Andy Reid has done running backs wrong in the past, and I get that. Um, so, look, am I going to push, push him into the top five? Probably not, just because we know Andy Reid's not going to give him that workhorse role. He's going to find some rando off the street uh, to give carries to, to give looks to, that because that's just what Andy Reid does. But that being said, the Chiefs offense is obviously lights out. Um, and you know, CEH, we got to come up with some, some, some kind of nickname for this kid. Uh, I mean, I don't know. CEH will work fine for right now, but, uh, he's the lead dog in, in a great offense. How do you not like that? If he's not a first round draft pick, I don't know who is, you know, and, and I get it. People are going to are slow on the uptake, but, um, uh, you look at the bottom end of the first, first round It's Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, come on, dude. Give me CEH above all of those guys. He's a, a mid to, to late first rounder, no doubt about it. The the skeptic in me, the the fearful part of me says, like, the Chiefs are going to go out and sign Devontae Freeman and just throw a wrench in this whole thing. Um, well, there's that, If I could get Andy Reid to sign an affidavit, like, hey, we're not going to bring anybody in, then I'm all systems go on that. But I feel like everybody's going to go out and spend a lot of draft capital on Clyde over Solaire, and then, like, in two weeks, we're going to get reports that, you know, Devontae Freeman is visiting Kansas City, and then we're all going to be sad. Um, so, I don't know. That's, that's my fear. Um, the other part of this, though, and then it's, it's, it's beyond football, and Liz, you and I sort of talked about this privately yesterday. Um, you know, we are the sports is not a distraction, I think, this year from the rest of the world because we can't talk about sports without talking about COVID 19 and guys testing positive and guys opting in and out. And Liz, you and I sort of talked about this, this weird dichotomy of, you know, all of us here need football in order to make a living. Like we, we want it, we need it, we are fans of it, but also this sort of anxiety we get of having to talk about this real world virus that's sort of uh, creeping into to everything we do. And I, I mean, I, I don't know that we, any of us, Liz, have figured out how to sort of reconcile that, but I mean, how are you trying to piece these two parts of our lives together right now? Well, I mean, in terms of piecing it together, I think that there are a couple of ways to look at this. Like, yes, sports has always been a microcosm for the world. I mean, that is why The Tale of Two Escobars is the best 30, by 30 for 30 ever produced, right? It is a parallel to what is happening. And we get, we are privileged, and there is pressure in privilege per the great Billie Jean King um, to be... Uh, to be living in this microcosm, to be watching it and watching it unfold and be able to be mouthpieces for or through it. So I am trying to take a, a place, live in a place of gratitude about that because what a time to be alive, right? But um, obviously we have feelings, we're, we're humans. And so, you know, on, on Twitter, there was this debate about um, people rooting against the NFL and other people saying like, what is, why are you rooting against the NFL? And I was sort of 
coming from that conversation saying, both y'all shut up. Like, it feels like <laughs> one half of the world wants to see the world burn. It does feel like that sometimes that like people are excited to see the world burn and it's ecstatic. And then the other half of the world has their head in the sand and they refuse to notice that indeed the world is burning. And I want to stand in the middle with a bucket of water being like, yo, shouldn't we do something? Like, <laughs> like what, what can we do? And I feel like we have these factions of people fighting over um, whether it can or whether it should, and nobody saying in this nation, which is supposed to be about resilience and innovation and creativity and bright minds, thinking about workarounds. This is not about, and, and sorry to start the podcast on this note, but like whether it's, you know, you your intro was about mask wearing and social distancing. To me, this is not about, there is space between I have to and I get to. Right. In anything, I remember very early in my fantasy career, I was like tasked with writing an article about Reggie Bush. And I was like, oh, I can't believe I have to write an article about Reggie Bush. And I stopped at that moment well <laughs> before 2020 and said, I get to write an article about Reg Reggie Bush. You know, like, I can't believe I have to wear a mask at the Home Depot. How about I get to go to the Home Depot in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> like, you know, so this isn't. This, this isn't about like, I can't believe players can't play or leagues can't have all the things they want. How about, why don't we like find a compromise where we all get a little bit of something and right. it's the ability to have versus what, like focus on the things we do have versus the things that we will not be with right now. I, I, I think to fair. piggyback on what, on what Liz said, if I could jump in, it's just kind of like, yeah, it'd be great if we could just all do our part. Listen, man, I could spend hours um, talking about this very subject, but people don't come to us for that, right? People come to us for a little bit of escape. Fantasy football is a game of a game. Um, and as Liz said, it's it's definitely a blessing. And um, and we're certainly lucky to be in the places we are, um, getting paid you know, pretty well to, to talk about a game of a game. Um, and in terms of, you know, I was asked this today, you know, how's my workflow been impacted? Well, I mean, workflow has been impacted just mostly because we have to adjust how we, how we raise our kids, you know, the fun stuff that we get to do, you know, living that quarantine life. Um, and kind of sort of, for me, I, I've kind of, or at least tried to embrace it, uh, to the point where, you know, just find the, the good stuff, uh, that we can, um, that we are in this situation, but finding the kind of the silver lining of it all. So I don't know, man, I, for me, my workflow is pretty much try to keep my head down and, and, and do the things that I normally do. Look at player movement, you know, uh, and I just consider these opt-outs to be part of player movement for me. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I guess I don't really understand the negative backlash for, you know, somebody like Nate Solder taking the, t taking the year off or Damian Williams taking the year off or whatever it is. Good for them. You know, good yeah. for them. They're giving up millions of dollars uh, to go sit back and, and take care of their family. So I, I'm, I'm all about it, man. So I, I just look at it as player movement, and um, and there's so much bad stuff on Twitter, and I get it. But you know what? Reporting the facts is not rooting for something. Sorry, you know what I mean. I, that's where <laughs> I stand on that. So, um, and I get it. You know, people are, are are tired and exhausted by reading all this negative news. But guess what? That's the news. You know. So, if it's facts and, and this is what people are reporting, I mean, the people aren't rooting for it, man. To tell if I, if I told you the Giants beat the 
Um, the Cowboys, 32 to 19. I'm not rooting for the Giants. I'm just telling you what the damn score is. <laughs> Calm down. You know what I mean? So I, I don't get it. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel you on that one. And I will say that I would just button it up by sort of saying, look, for all these players, whatever they decide, whether they decide to play, whether they decide to opt out, understand that it is a personal decision for all these guys and, and one that I'm sure is is made with a lot of thought that goes into it. So um, I would just say, you know, respect the decisions, understand where these guys are coming from. And, uh, you know, I guess the upside is in whatever way we have more stuff to talk about because now we're getting closer to actual football and it's not just us pontificating on what we think is going to happen. So there you go. All right. Let's get into the meat of this. I want to talk NFC North football with you guys. So that's what we're going to do. For those of you who've been listening to this fantasy camp series, you know how it goes. I do some big questions about each team. We do some superlatives for the division. Then we do some fun either ors at the end of the show. Uh, And then that's about it. So let's start with the Chicago Bears and uh, Liz, you being our resident Bears fan here, uh, I will I will begin by asking you: Is there really going to be a quarterback competition between Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky? Are we really doing this this year? I mean, hashtag blessed is the Bears room, Bears fan right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can. I think the the question is: Is there time? for a quarterback battle or competition. I mean, Matt Nagy in June and May was saying that he was going to hold one, but the Bears, according to Bears sideline reporter Mark Grote, the team isn't going to attempt to practice until August 17th. So as much continuity as Nick Foles has with basically the entirety of the offensive coaching staff from Nagy to Laser to DiFilippo, there's still an enormous legacy, for better or for worse, for worse, attached to Ryan Pace's uh, reputation and legacy with Mitch Trubisky. And this is, you know, Ted Ginn went on GMFB and said he thought the newly signed, newly signed uh, Ted Ginn to the Bear Squad. What an awesome, what an awesome ad. Um, he himself said that he thought that Mitch was going to be the guy. Mitch said he thought he was going to be the guy. So I think that whether or not this was the plan. I don't think there's time to hold a competition. And because of the events and obstacles created by COVID, Mitch Trubisky is going to start the season. Who knows how long he'll hold on to it? Not long. <laughs> this, is, this is also why I want to have Bears fans. I love that Bears fans are so fatalistic about the whole thing. That's <laughs> um. All right. So, okay. I guess the next question is the follow-up to that. And James, I'll, I mean, I'll direct this one at you. I mean, does this matter for like a guy like Allen Robinson, for instance? I mean, I think we all sort of love A-Rob and the, and the guy produced last year, even with Trubisky at quarterback. I mean, does it does it really matter for his purposes who's slinging the rock right now? I, it really doesn't because, I mean, he has been – for he, he, he was basically like New Hopkins was for a long time uh, there in Houston. Just, I mean, having to go through a just bevy of below average quarterbacks and he has seen such poor quarterback play over the course of his career. You just can't help but feel bad for him. You know, to be honest with you, I think the Bears should should call up Steve Spurrier and, and figure out how to run a two-quarterback system. Like, that's what I would like to see. I, le- legitimately, I, I think Mitch brings something to the table. I think Nick Foles brings a little something to the table. Both guys are clearly capped. Um, but, I mean, why not? There's, I don't understand this rule that you have to have one quarterback. Like, why is that? We rotate wide receivers. We rotate running backs. We rotate linemen. We rotate defensive players. Rotate the quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, 
Steve Spurrier, I think, was onto something. Now, he had some other deficiencies or whatever it might be, but <laughs> I, you've got two you've got two quarterbacks there that can play a little bit, you know, are, are either one great? No, absolutely not. But I I think a two quarterback (laughs) system for that particular team makes a lot of sense. And that's what I'd like to see them do. I thought about it. As you said that I just, I immediately thought about the Ravens and running out there with Lamar Jackson and RG three and my mind was blown. Um, That'd be kind of amazing. Um, James, stay with you real quick. David Montgomery. I was big on the David Montgomery train. I waved the flag for him. He ended up being meh. And now I'm feeling like he's already kind of close to his ceiling. Like he's fine. Um, not great. Am I am I wrong? Is there more to David Montgomery than what I'm seeing right now? It's really hard to judge what he's done thus far because I think the offense last year was a train wreck. You know, they were trying to manage Mitch Trubisky and it just wasn't working. The offense wasn't moving and Montgomery just didn't have the opportunity. Look, the guy, we give, you know, uh, I remember when David Johnson was running into brick walls in Arizona and we gave so much crap to the OC there in Arizona for just running him up the middle. That is what David Montgomery is doing. He is running between the tackles, repeatedly over and over and over again and they're asking him to make plays they're not making plays for him you know what I'm saying so no I don't think we've seen the ceiling yet for David Montgomery I think some of the athletic traits that we saw um you know coming out of college as a rookie I think they still hold up look the guy's got great lateral movement great lateral movement but if the play design is between the tackles what are you supposed to do right so I think they've got Bill Lazor coming in and I'm interested to see how Bill Lazor will run him. I almost guarantee you they're going to run him outside a whole hell of a lot more. I know he doesn't have a ton of north-south speed, but east-west, I was very impressed with what David Montgomery put on tape in college. And I'm really excited to see um, what that looks like in 2020. Uh, Liz, if you have something with David Montgomery, please feel free. <laughs> Yeah, just piggybacking really quickly on what James said. I mean, first of all, props to James because he pulled out via Next Gen Stats the um, play design that he's talking about. And all of those little squiggly green, highlighted green or neon green lines were through the middle. So James has been on this before most people were. I will just say two quick things. Over the first eight games of 2019, Montgomery averaged 14 carries per game, but over the last eight weeks of the same season, after the Mike Davis week one bomb, um, yeah. <laughs> he managed 16 and a quarter attempts and he became more efficient, more importantly, with those attempts because he improved his yards created average by 50% between weeks eight to 17. So I don't think we have seen his ceiling. And even if we had, who cares? Because last year doing what he did, the myth that he put up, he was the RB25. <laughs> and this year in half point PPR, Lee and half point PPR scoring and 12 team leagues. He's the uh, RB25 off the board. So you're getting his floor anyway. So basically, you're telling me I just have to change my perspective on things and then I'll be fine when I draft David Montgomery. I mean, it's a value pick, right? So, like, if he's your RB3, are you going to be that upset? No, I mean, I guess that's fair, right? And I think, I think. Look, I admit that sometimes I get in my feelings about things, right? And I was big on David Montgomery <laughs> last year, and it didn't work out. And so, like, you know, I'm right. sitting here, I'm sitting here, you know, sipping bottles of wine and playing Drake albums, and like trying to make myself feel better about what happened. So, like, I, you know, if I if I just sort of change my perspective, then maybe I'm all right. Um, 
changing perspectives. Uh, Liz, does does Jimmy Graham rise from his fantasy uh. grave this year? I mean, look, the Bears have the Bears have like seven or eight tight ends, and it seems like none of them are fantasy relevant. Like, how is this possible? <laughs> Okay, but first of all, um, you want to talk about drinking wine and maybe lighting fire to some hot takes you previously had. Adam Shaheen's not on the squad anymore, and I had some big hopes and some <laughs> real hot sleeper articles about Chad, Adam Shaheen. Um, so, <sighs> Jimmy Graham, I don't like. But look at looking at what he did last year. Right, he was the tight end twenty-two in true catch rate. He converted thirty-eight of 63 looks thrown by Aaron Rodgers. We just talked about Nick Foles and or Mitch Trubisky. Neither of them is as good as Aaron Rodgers. And it's not like the receiving core in Green Bay was terribly deep so that he had a ton of options. So no, I don't I don't particularly see, especially if Anthony Miller is able to stay healthy, uh, Graham even getting the kind of target share he would need to be fantasy relevant. So I think he's like my tight end, you know, 26, 27, something like that. Man, let me just piggyback on what Liz just said there. And and she comes out with great stats, man. And all those numbers make a whole hell of a lot of sense. You know me. I'm a stats dude. I'm next-gen stats this and next-gen stats that. Let me just break it down for you. Jimmy Graham runs like he's made of Legos, okay? He is real blocky <laughs> right now, man. Like, no, the dude can't run. I mean, we, we make fun of Jason Witten. Um, for how he's running nowadays, Jimmy Graham is approaching Witten status. You know what I'm saying? Like these are serious dad runs at this point. So <laughs> I, I, beyond all the numbers and the stats is no, Jimmy Graham's not having a revival. Um, his better days are behind him. Uh, I mean, he's, uh, I know this might be a little bit of a hot take, but he's a borderline hall of famer, honestly. Um, and, and, but his, his better days are done, you know? And, and so, no, I, I, I would imagine this will be his last year. Um, if not his second to last year, because like I said, man, the guys, he looks like he's made of Legos. Uh, I, I just am not investing any kind of draft capital in him whatsoever. It's hard to imagine or remember that the guy who was so amazing all those years in New Orleans is the same right. guy now. Because, like, once he left the Saints, it just – it all went south for him. I mean, it was just it, – it, it's been shocking. Uh, but but here we are. So, um, over to the Detroit Lions. Uh, Liz, which of the two running backs mm -hmm. there, DeAndre Swift, on Johnson, are you more likely to ride with this year, maybe just based on ADP or production or, or whatever whatever criteria you're using? I mean, I think I have to follow the team's lead and lean towards DeAndre Swift, right? I love on Johnson, but his struggle with knee issues cannot be denied. And in fact, it looked like the team, the, the franchise was getting tired of him missing consistent games. Swift's a dynamic runner. He's got vision, instincts. Bucky Brooks, your own Bucky Brooks, said he had that pitter-patter, which I thought was the best description of what Swift can do, his timing, his feet. My issue with Swift really is that, you know, he comps to Dalvin Cook, who's had his own durability issues, who has his own kind of upright running style, which, by the way, is part of what got Carrion in trouble, too, because Carrion has to lower his pad level as well. And so um, I would prefer to fade this backfield, but I do think that Swift has higher has a much higher ceiling than Johnson. And, you know, if I'm if I'm sitting there and I have to make a decision and Swift falls to me, I'm not going to be upset about it. When I look at this backfield, Marcus, I kind of see 
Uh, I'm with Liz. I, I'm I'm generally tending to avoid it. I, I agree that DeAndre Swift, look, he's nasty, right? I mean, from an athletic profile, 212 pounds, he ran a 44840. Um, a man of that size, that kind of speed. Um, I think Dalvin Cook is is a great comp for him because Dalvin ran, you know, similar numbers uh, to DeAndre Swift. But the problem is he's a top 60 pick right now. And it is not totally clear that he's the A-side to this two-man rotational backfield, right? He clearly has the higher upside, but that's already priced in. So that, to me, is the problem with the backfield. And, and you know, we talk about carry-on. Look, he's missed 14 games over the last two seasons. I think he's overall a pretty good player. Meniscus tear certainly uh, scares me a lot. But he's going in that, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th round range, right around pick 100. Um, I, I tell you what, you know, if he's the starter and you're getting a starting running back, you know, in round 10, that's also not bad. You know what I mean? So right. uh, the offensive line there in Detroit's not bad either. And, and so for me, I, it's a backfield that I, I think their prices will force me kind of away. Uh, but clearly, it's a backfield uh, that, you know, if you want to be optimistic, you know that they've got a defensive-minded coach and they want to run the ball. So um, if, there's, if there is some upside there, at least from a philosophical standpoint, you know that they're going to try to keep that uh, ball in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I, I know that we when we start looking at backfields, right, and I know that fantasy Twitter, we always tend to trend toward the younger guy, which I guess gives Swift the advantage in that situation. But I think I sort of fall where both of you are, where I, I don't think I've drafted either one of these players uh, in any situation just because I have zero clarity on what it's going to be like. And look, I, this is another one of the many ways that the pandemic is sort of changing how we do this because we aren't going to get – uh, we're not going to get preseason. We're not going to see a lot of training camp. We're not going to see a lot of these camp battles that we're used to seeing to kind of help us make these decisions. Uh, and in this situation, I don't know that I'm willing to take a stab at, at either one of these guys. I know that when I have a question about a cow bear, there's only one person I want to ask about it. So, uh, <laughs> so James Coe, James Coe, is Marvin Jones being underdrafted this year? <laughs> You're going to be surprised by my take, but no, I, I think he's actually being overdrafted, uh, as a matter of fact. Whoa. He's got a top 100 price tag. I know, I know. It kills me to say this, uh, <laughs> but he's got a top 100 price tag. <laughs> what are we talking about here with Marvin Jones? You know, 91 targets last year, so sub 100 targets. That's not good. 779 yards last year. That's not good. He had nine touchdowns in 13 games. That's great, but... Four of those came in one game against a washed Xavier Rhodes. So I just, for me, I just talked about it philosophically, right? The biggest thing for me is that Pencil Bro, a.k.a. Matt Patricia, clearly wants to run the ball. <laughs> Detroit was 17th in passing attempts last year. 17th. So bottom half of the league. Galladay's the clear-cut top dog in the passing game. I think Hawkinson takes a step forward. I'm just, I'm struggling to find where does the volume come from uh, to kind of support this top 100 price tag for Marvin Jones, I just don't see it. But you don't, you don't, buy, you don't take into account that half the games he played were with David Blau and Jeff Driscoll. Does, Does that matter at all? Do it. Do it. Come on, MG. Yeah. Stafford <laughs> <laughs> was on pace. Stafford was on pace for a career season, and when you look at what Marvin Jones, I mean, he was top three in touchdown rate. Fine, you make a good point about Xavier Rhodes, but he was also top 15 production premium. 
and uh, the wide receiver 19 in fantasy points per game. Yes, he's 30. Yes, he's been banged up in back-to-back -back seasons. But if I can get um, like a top 30, top 35 potential player in the ninth round around the same spot the Fools are drafting Noah Fant, sign me up, especially in a year <laughs> where there's COVID list and street free agents being shipped onto teams. Oh, I look. I'm I'm all about it. I I I actually had a I did a mock draft where I ended up getting Kenny Galladay. I think I got Galladay in the uh, the second round, and I got Marvin Jones in like the ninth round. And I'm like, I yeah. kind of like this. Like I felt I felt okay about this. Um, all right. So Liz, you mentioned Noah Fant and where he's going. Uh, let's talk yeah. about his former college teammate T.J. Hawkinson. Are you buying the hype on T.J. Hawkinson this year? Oh, man, I want to. I want to buy it so bad. Like, Co just <laughs> was so confident with his, like, he's taking a step forward. And I was like, oh, I want to be there. With the tools are there. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just not sure that the stars are going to align at the top of the season. Like, in June, Bevel came out and said that he wasn't sure that Hawk was still 100% back from the ankle injury that ended his rookie season prematurely. He last he landed on the COVID-19 list. Nobody's going to start practicing until the middle of August. I, I just I, I just think that's a lot to shake off for a player so young. But when I look at how he flashed, particularly you know week one, I think that the tools are all there. The question is. Am I going to draft him here? It's like more of a strategy question, right? Like, am I going to draft him and know that it's going to take him a minute to get going? Or am I going to try to try to gamble a little bit and not draft him and hope somebody else in my league gets impatient because he's not producing right away and then try to scoop him? Yeah, so I, I will say this. When it comes to tight ends, and I've, I've said this repeatedly on this show, like I felt better about the teams where I either get one early where I go early and get like a George Kittle or Travis Kelsey, or I wait late. I mean, Hawkinson, I guess, tends to fall into that later grouping. Um, you know, it's a, a it's Hawkinson. Middle to a, late, uh, yeah, and I think that's probably why I don't have a lot of Hawkinson on teams, just because he's sort of that middle tier. I think if I'm going later, I tend to lean toward the, you know, the Blake Jarwins, the Janu Smiths, that sort of thing. I just feel like if I'm getting that guy in the middle rounds, like I just haven't liked those rosters at all. That's just me. Um I think you're right. Uh, I think you hit it right on the head. You know, TJ is going somewhere in, in round 12, uh, late round 12, you know, 13. Um, although there's going to be a lot of spots where he just drops to like the 14th, 15th round. And, and it's just that's just the nature of the beast of that position. Um, it's going to be very volatile, especially the back end of drafts. But you mentioned John Smith, Blake Jarwin. I think Eric Ebron is another interesting name. Jack Doyle, you know my love affair for Jack Doyle as well. Um, <laughs> Dallas Goddard is hanging around too. So I don't know, man. You know, TJ, I think he's supremely talented. Um, I think he's got – I actually think he's got better upside than Noah Fan. And look, I, you know, your former cohort um, loves Noah Fan absolutely loves him mm -hmm. but i just I, I just don't see it there with fant you know what i mean like he struggles to catch the ball and, and you know sorry i, I like to i like my my pass catchers <laughs> to actually have good hands <laughs> you know i i see the talent with noah fant i just feel like there's a lot of pass catchers in that offense at least there'd be a lot of guys competing for targets in that offense right I mean, you got Cortland Sutton right you know then we're gonna see what happens with uh you know with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and you know I don't think Albert O is gonna make that much of an impact this year but there's just a lot of guys I think battling for those targets there in, in Denver and that's you know that's the I, thing that scares me about fans 
Yeah, the last thing I'll say about Hawkinson is this. I'm not going to pay a premium to get Hawkinson. I'm just not, right? I'm not going to pay a 12th round right. price to get Hawkinson. But if he falls to me in the 14th round, which very well could happen, I'm not upset at that. You know, like I'm going to wait mm-hmm. on tight end for sure this year, no doubt about it. And and if he's a guy where all these other guys have gone and I get Hawk in like the 14th round, I'll be happy with that, honestly. And I'll just probably just try to manage the position like I do every year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right, so over to the Packers now. Liz, what, what is the ceiling for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, we know they didn't draft any wide receivers to help him out. He was kind of salty about that. I mean, look, if 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 you could count chips on shoulders as you know potential fantasy points, and Aaron Rodgers is the QB1 this year, but in terms of like real actual fantasy production, what is his ceiling, you think? I mean, so a couple of things. RIP all of my Devin Funches hot takes because he also opted out. And I, re- <laughs> I really out. did mm-hmm. think that there was an opportunity there. And if anything, an opportunity to help Rodgers. Um, last year, Rodgers averaged 17 fantasy points per game. That was the QB 13. It is no coincidence. Nothing has changed, right? Well, they lost Jimmy Graham and now lost Devin Funches. They didn't draft anyone. I don't know how his ceiling can be above QB 12. He's my QB 13. Like, I, I feel like we're going to, there's a very good chance we're going to see the same thing we saw last year. And it is clear to me that the front office in Green Bay does not believe that they are in a Super Bowl window, even if Aaron Rodgers thinks they should be. I mean, I think they're in a Super Bowl window. I think, I think, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers still has some good football left in him. Um, but the problem is, yeah, they, they don't seem to be doing anything to help him out, and it just, it's just sort of frustrating, confusing. I don't, I don't really get it. So then, that that's the next question for me. Then, Co, uh, which Green Bay Packers receiver do you believe in the most in the non Devontae Adams division? <laughs> I will give you a big fat nope on this one i'm there's no there's no one <laughs> there's no green bay receiver i'm Not taking the other than Devontae adams no no one there's absolutely no one <laughs> look um to go back on, on what liz said you know he was aaron Rodgers was a quarterback 13 um and that's fine but he had a couple bright spot games but other than that I, he was a bad fantasy player at that position last year and i don't actually I actually don't blame Aaron Rodgers. I, I'm I'm not a Matt Lafleur guy. Um, you know, I, I could go into a whole bunch of of reasons, and and as a matter of fact, I will when we talk about Aaron Jones. But um, for me, Aaron Rodgers is just such a blah pick in fantasy this year. You know, he, he's going the eighth round. Which, if you are an Aaron Rodgers fan or if you're a football fan, you're thinking, oh my god, I got Aaron Rodgers in the eighth round. This is great. <laughs> no. I just think it's such a blah pick, you know, Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, Cam Newton. I think Daniel Jones is going to basically give you similar fantasy production to Rogers this year. And you're getting guys like Daniel Jones, like five rounds later. So um, I don't see upside with Rogers at all this year. I cannot believe it. By the way, by the way, we might need to burn this tape. I can't believe I'm having these takes on Rogers and Marvin Jones. (laughs) It hurts my soul. It hurts my soul to be saying these things, but it's true. It's absolutely true. Uh, I, go, I, I would, understand. I would I, say. I to... No, go ahead. Um, I was going to say, I do think that when we're looking at the non-Devante Adams division of players, 
I totally understand why Co is saying, nope, you're not going to get anything from me. And he's right, because the receivers are not worth talking about, whether it's the Lazard King or people hoping that Equinemius St. Brown has uh, been <laughs> ingratiated himself to Aaron Rodgers and also taken a couple of yoga classes, because let's be honest, his tape is stiff AF. Anyway, I think that Jace Sternberger, we talked about how this could be the podcast of young parents. Well, Jace is on the case because somebody, that's a Paw Patrol reference. Very cool. Um, somebody, somebody has got to account for the 63 targets now vacated by Jimmy Graham. And Sternberger, I mean, if we're throwing darts real late or thinking like we're going to stream at the tight end position, which it sounds like you both do and I do as well, Sternberger was a third-round draft pick from 2019. He's got enough speed to stretch the field. He's great in contested situations. He held in 10 uh, touchdowns over his final season at A&M. So, like, again, I'm not sure that a breakout happens early in the season for any of these young players, frankly, but... It wouldn't surprise me if Sternberger by the end of the season is that has become a security blanket type player for Aaron Rodgers, like, you know, November-ish after Halloween. All right. I just, I, I get, we need to put together a list and I don't know what this category would be, but like the, the Green Bay Packer fanboy Hall of Fame or something like that, because I feel like Jay Sternberger is jumping in there. Um, I mean, yeah, Jake Kumaro <laughs> was in that list. Um, Aberderis, baby. Jer Jared Aberderis. Oh, uh, there was the original. Jared I'm blanking Aberderis, on who was yes! who was the original the original Packer fanboy receiver who like uh, that, that for years we thought was going to actually turn into something and never did. I'm blanking and it's going to kill me. Uh, I wish Alex Gelhar were here to help me out, but it just oh, I feel yeah. like Jay Sternberger is the next know. one in the list, right? He's the next one on the list of the the Packer, you know, Packer blogger, Twitter fanboy that you know is going to break us break us all down and, and disappoint us. Um, Co, you mentioned something about Aaron Jones, uh, so I just ask you: Do you think he is still a top ten fantasy running back this year? I think he has the talent, no doubt, to be a top 10 back. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But let me just say this. Matt LaFleur is not a good coach, full stop, okay? The Rams wow. and the Titans improved their offensive DVOA after LaFleur left both teams. The Rams went from 4.3 yards per carry to 4.9 yards per carry after he left. The Titans went from 4.4 yards per carry to 5.0 uh, yards per carry after he left. Those are significant gains. Oh, by the way, we, we dump on Mike McCarthy all the time, okay? When LaFleur joined this team last year, Green Bay's offensive DVOA went from 7th to 8th, okay? So, no, I, I don't I – don't, and by the way, I have human eyes. I can see what is happening <laughs> on the field, and I don't like what I see. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I don't think this offense – it's very starter stop. I don't think they did anything to help Rodgers whatsoever from a schematic standpoint. Um, Rodgers obviously takes some blame in that too because he likes to hold that ball. But there's just I don't see I don't see them doing anything schematically other than trying to establish a run game um, to help Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Jones had so much of his fantasy value attached to those touchdowns. Well, this is the problem. A.J. Dillon, they drafted. He's an absolute monster. 250 pounds. He ran a 4.5340 with a 41-inch vert. A 41-inch vert <laughs> at 250 pounds. 
If you don't think he's getting goal line carries, I don't know what to tell you. A.J. Dillon is going to be a problem uh, for those folks who draft Aaron Jones. I think the touchdowns come way down. I love Aaron Jones as a player. I don't think they're utilizing him correctly. Um, and I just don't think he's going to be a top 10 fantasy running back this year. I mean, so Liz, does this mean, I mean, is this, is this sort of a David Montgomery situation where I just got to kind of change my perspective? I mean, I don't think he's a top 10 running back, but if I, if I squint and look and tilt my head the right way, can I find a spot for Aaron Jones on my roster? You can find a spot for him as long as you're not expecting him to be more than an RB2. And I don't know if you get the value dropping to you that way, because I don't know if anyone has done the research Coke hasn't done in your league. I mean, maybe in your league, but in the average league. Co is spot on with this one. I also love that he brought up the fact that Matt LaFleur likes to stop and start. Like his offense is very jagged. It is not smooth. And running back is what? A position of rhythm. It is, in fact, probably the position that requires the most rhythm per any professional running back telling you that. And you cannot talk about Aaron Jones without also talking about A.J. Dillon. Uh, who broke 78 tackles in 2019. RB4 uh, toted the ball 845 times over his three years at BC. This is a workhorse. Oh, and by the way, he was also comp to the player that Matt LaFleur is credited with unlocking, fairly so or not. Last fun fact, when Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones were both on the field and healthy last year, their snap share was pretty close to 50-50. Matt LaFleur isn't interested in having a single running back backfield despite the talent that he has with Aaron Jones. Co is 100% right that Dylan is going to be the goal line gremlin and Jones's touchdowns are <laughs> going to regress. That's too bad. He is wildly talented. He is outside of my top 12 players at the position, however, for those reasons. Wow. So you guys have convinced me that Matt LaFleur's offense is like an Alanis Morissette album. It is a jagged little pill. <laughs> nice. Yes. Thanks. How ironic. Thanks. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> Don't shift me. Um, all right. That's enough of that. Uh, over to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Liz, how high is too high to draft Dalvin Cook? I don't feel comfortable with him inside my top six. Maybe he's my RB6 if I'm having a very, very positive day. The like news of the holdout ending and him reporting to camp two days ago, although again, practices aren't going to happen because really camp this week is physicals and COVID tests. Um, that is, is optimistic, but I just feel like the durability issues have me leaning towards maybe more higher floor players. Like I, I might personally prefer Nick Chubb, even uh, with the addition of Stefanski, even with the present because I think as a life staying of completing six staying on the field. And so drafting in the front, I'm not necessarily swinging for the fences in a way that I were counting on Cook. So inside the top six might be a little bit too high for me. Inside the top 10, absolutely. Like in that, you know, six to 10 range, I'm very comfortable with him there. Uh, James, I know you like guys. You like you. You will tend to like jump all in on certain guys. Are you jumping all in on Dalvin Cook, or are you being a little more cautious? Well, I think what Liz is, was hinting at, and I, and I totally agree with this, is the fact that he's not the most durable cat out there, right? Um, I think he is. Um, he's perfect for this system. He's got speed. He's got some size. Um, outside zone run scheme all day long. By the way, Stefanski moves on, but. 
the guy who, I, in my opinion, I think was the architect of this offense anyways was Gary Kubiak. Um, he stays on and he assumes the offensive coordinator role. If you know anything about fantasy football, if you know anything about the running game, you know Gary Kubiak's an absolute mastermind when it comes to the running game. So Dalvin is in a very healthy spot. It's great. Unfortunately, he himself has dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his career. Okay, now all of that being said, it's a fragile position anyways right? We're talking about running back. And I'm not taking him with a top three pick, but if I could be convinced at taking him at four just because of the Kubiak factor, um, look, he's in that tier for me that's, what, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Derek Henry. He's in that group, right? So I could be convinced. Look, I have a man crush on Alvin Kamara, so I'm not going to take him at four, but I could be convinced of it at four um and and certainly he's got that potential and, and for all the reasons i just listed about gary kubiak and, and all of the wonderful things that he has done for fantasy running backs i mean you know you you think about steve slayton arian foster you know those guys back in the day that's a, a real big reason why I, and I know it didn't pan out last year, but Alexander Mattinson, to me, is the most high upside handcuff you can own in fantasy this year. Yeah, I would I would totally agree with that. And I think Madison even might – I will say he has standalone value, but, you know, he, he will get some opportunities uh, this year. So I, I think if you draft Alvin Cook, it's almost mandatory that you go out and you draft yeah. Alexander Madison and have that insurance there. Um, are we too low on Justin Jefferson? I, I say this because I'm trying to pump up my own ego because I've, I've been, I think he is going to be the number one fantasy rookie wide receiver because of the opportunity. It just doesn't feel like he's being drafted like that. Um, so I, I, I would like it if you would pump up my ego a little bit. Please don't tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if, I, I, I'll start, but I mean, he's 6'1", 205. He ran a 4'4", right? So he's got all the athletic attributes of a of a premium wide receiver, right? Um, he's smooth. He just has a great catch radius. Um, and, and you talk about the price. Right now he's going around pick 120. So 10th round if you're in a 12-teamer, okay? Um, to me, I, I'm just – I love the player – I'm a little bit confused by the fit. I know there's so many targets mm -hmm. up for grabs now that Stefan Diggs is gone, but he was a matchup problem as a slot receiver and only eh, he was meh as an outside receiver there for LSU, right? So is this an offense? And I get Mike Zimmer's the head coach, but and it, it would be a Mike Zimmer fever dream to, to run the ball 60 times a game. But I'm just confused. You've got two slot receivers in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, like, how do you run this offense? I, I'm just, I guess I'm just confused. I, I don't really understand how they're going to build the passing game. Um, and especially around Kirk Cousins, who, you know, obviously took a little bit of a step back last year. So um, to me, I think the pick around 120 sounds about right. He's a rookie. They're not going to have camp. Um, I think he'll be slow out of the gates. Um, it's not a great passing offense. And overall, I'm just confused as to what role he will play. Are they going to kick him outside? Because he certainly has the speed to do it, size and speed to do it, but um, didn't look great as an outside wide receiver um, at LSU. I also think he had one of the most efficient quarterbacks to play the college game under center helping him. He had Jamar Chase on the outside helping him do what he can do. I don't think that Justin Jefferson's talent is 
mitigated to just being a slot receiver. I comped his ceiling to Keenan Allen when I was watching his tape in the spring. I think he can become that. But again, as Co points out, he is a rookie in a Mike Zimmer offense. I don't know if he has the tools around him necessarily to replicate, to copy and paste what he did with the Tigers immediately. I think when I think of Justin Jefferson, and I posted this on my Instagram, I like to do a weekly Would You Rather Wednesdays. I did a rookie edition this past Wednesday between Jalen Rager, who's going around the same place, and Justin Jefferson. So, Marcus, I ask you then, back to you, I know my answer, but would you rather have, and you're looking in the double-digit rounds, Justin Jefferson, who is, I would gather you're thinking, a floor player because of what he's able to do and his fit in the offense versus Jalen Rager, who at TCU was more gadgety, and also you got Alshon Jeffrey starting the pup, you got Marquise Goodwin, um, who, you know, is, was signed to the Eagles, um, opting out of the season for personal reasons. So which of those two would you take if you are looking at the same, if you're, you know, if they're both available at the same sensible place in a draft? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I was big on Justin Jefferson and I still like him, but I think the events of the past 48 hours or so has closed that gap quite a bit between he and Reagan yeah. because of what you mentioned, because Alshon Jeffrey very well could miss the start of the season, because Marquise Goodwin is not going to be there, because Deshaun Jackson, for, you know, when he's there, he's great. He just hasn't been on the field a whole lot the last couple of years. So that means there are opportunities there. Uh, by the way, I have completely given up on my my fever dream of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside actually becoming a thing. I don't know that, that that's going to ever happen. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, because of that, I think the, 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 the gap for me between Jefferson and Rager has shrunk quite a bit. Uh, so I, I think, you know, if all things being equal, they were both there in the same spot. Yeah, I, I probably would take Rager. So thanks. Thanks for talking me out of my position. <laughs> <laughs> um, I too am a wife. I right. know how to do it. <laughs> uh, Liz, is is it over for Kirk Cousins? I mean, this guy was a fantasy darling in Washington. It just hasn't quite been the same in Minnesota. Is, is it over, or can you know can Gary Kubiak help bring him back a little bit? I mean, Flip tried to do it, and Zimmer was like, Zimmer, Zimmer was like, no, 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 we don't want you to throw the ball, Flip. Flip had him, had him late, <laughs> uh, and then Flip got fired after that loss in Seattle. So mm -hmm. in a Mike Zimmer offense, I don't think that he is going to put up the same numbers. Also, I, the quarterback position is so stinking deep this season. And, mm -hmm. and when you're looking at quarterbacks, like this is a kind of a side conversation, but the top, my top eight quarterbacks are all mobile threats. Kirk Cousins, he can move a little bit, but like, I don't think anyone's looking at Kirk Cousins and calling him a mobile QB, <laughs> right? So like... If you don't have, if the cheat codes aren't in your legs, then you're not being drafted in, in the first 12. And then you're streaming unless you're in a super flex, right? Then you're looking for your bye week or, or an injury replacement. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Uh, I mean, I... I, I I have drafted Kirk Cousins anywhere. I just was sort of looking at it as like a guy who just has fallen off a fantasy cliff. I mean, just thinking about those days in Washington when he was kind of a top five, top 10 guy to the fact that, you know, he's essentially not relevant and he's basically free when it comes to, to draft capital now. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess this is probably his life now. Um, before we get to the- He's still rich. Fantasy. Let's not cry for him. Oh yeah, no, I'm not saying like- <laughs> He won't be eating government cheese anytime soon. I'm not worried about that. Um, before we get to the superlatives, uh, by the way, Jeff Janis, that's the name I was trying to think of. 
Oh yeah, there it is <laughs> Jeff Janis. He was uh he was Packer fanboy favorite number one for a long time. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Um, all right, so some superlatives here. Uh, I both of you guys, I will throw it out to one of you, but both of you can jump in and uh, and give me your answers here. Uh, James Coe, who do you think will be the top scoring fantasy tight end from the NFC North this year? <laughs> this division is an absolute graveyard at this position, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I, who are we talking about right now? Kyle Rudolph, TJ Hawkinson, Mercedes Lewis is the – Mercedes Lewis, first of all, Mercedes still in this Lewis. league. I don't know how. Uh, but he's the starter for Green Bay, uh, you know, allegedly. But we'll see. I'm sure we'll see some Jay Sternberger. Jimmy Graham, who I said is made of Legos. Like, I, I mean, who are we talking <laughs> about right now? You know, I mean, the guys that I've got penciled in are backups. Irv Smith, Cole Komet, Jay Sternberger. I get if I had to pick one, I'll say it's TJ Hawkinson, but I don't like his situation. But I'll I'll, I'll go with the Hawk. All right. Uh, do you agree, Liz, or do you have a different name? I mean, I was thinking if he does, if Co doesn't mention Irv Smith, we just got to say his name. But Hawk is the clear answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I would think so too. I mean, that's part of the reason I asked this question though, because. It is just a it is a graveyard for fantasy tight end in this division. Um, all right. So in the past, if I asked you the top scoring fantasy quarterback from this division, the you know the <laughs> reflex reaction would have been Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that's the case. So I'll start with you, Liz. I mean, who is the top scoring fantasy quarterback in this division? It's Matt Stafford. I mean, it pains me to say it, but Matt well. Stafford, if he can stay healthy. <laughs> With Bevel opening things up and the that I mean the tandem you've got the tandem too of uh, Galladay and Jones I think that's going to be your answer. I think that's probably the right answer. Um, I can also convince my I, I but I would probably still say it's probably still Aaron Rodgers just because um, look is he going to give you forty touchdowns? No, absolutely not. Uh, but he's so used to at this point putting the offense on his back and I and I still think that he will put together a more consistent season than Matt Stafford um, again mostly because I think pencil bro doesn't want to throw the ball um, and and I think that will limit uh, the opportunities overall uh, for Matt Stafford but I, I think Stafford's probably the right answer Every time you mention Matt Patricia, I feel like I have to sit up straighter in my seat and improve my posture. Jaco, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, the biggest sleeper or sleepers, if you got more than one uh, coming out of this division. Yeah, two two of them for me. Um, you know, well, I'll, I'll save one. But uh, and and I talked about Alexander Madison. Um, I think he's got the highest ceiling of all the handcuffs um, in fantasy. I'm going to be investing in him. Uh, probably sooner than I probably should be, but I, I love his prospects. It totally did not work out last year. I did the exact same thing, but uh, Dalvin was great last year, but he does have a pretty extensive injury history going all the way back to high school. Um, and so, and again, and again, I, I'm not, I'm not rooting for it. I'm just telling you facts. Okay. I'm, I'm just reporting <laughs> the facts here. I'm not rooting for a Dalvin Cook injury. I'm just saying if we're playing the numbers, I do think that Dalvin, you know, is likely to miss, you know, a few games, if not more, uh, in 2020. And I wouldn't be surprised if Alexander Madison um, has a little bit of a breakout. All right. Uh, Liz, who you got? 
I mean, I think I think Cohen, I probably have the same person who we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, I would say the biggest breakout, again, it would not surprise me to see Jay Sternberger do something. I do think, however, I don't know how much of a sleeper he is. Tariq Cohen needs to be mentioned as we're discussing fantasy options within the NFC North, right? Because I like it. I, you know, he has um, some dual threat ability. Yes, he's used more as a pass catcher, but he is the human joystick or nicknamed such for a reason. And so I think, again, if you're looking to add, especially in PPR friendly formats, in that RB3 flex range, he is someone you might want to consider, and he is not terribly uh, expensive given his current ADP. I like I like Tariq Cohen, and I've drafted him in a number of spots, especially mm-hmm. because of the price yep. of where you're getting him, yeah. and knowing that you know the dude got so many targets last year, and I don't I don't think that changes this year. Um, all right, last one in this category, uh, Liz. Who's the most overdrafted player or players in the NFC North? Most overdrafted from Nick Trubisky. Um, <laughs> is, he drafted, is he being drafted at all? Like, I mean, it, it like it, it um, goes up and down every day. But I, the most oh, that's a good question. The most overdrafted player is Danny Amendola being drafted. Like, uh, maybe maybe Alan Lazard. I think probably Alan Lazard for. There's a whole lot of. Um, assumptions going on about what Lazard will do. And I hate I hate to believe that the bulk of them are because he was went to Aaron Rodgers' house for Thanksgiving last year. You know? So <laughs> I, I feel like maybe maybe I'm not I'm not as hopeful as a lot of people are about Lazard. And so I think that might be the most likely of the well regularly drafted options to bust. Well look, Alan Lazard went to Aaron Rodgers' house for Thanksgiving. Alan Lazard is getting more targets than Aaron Rodgers' brother. Coincidence? I think not. (laughs) (laughs) Very good call. Uh, Cody, who do you have in the overdrafted uh, category? I'll I'll stay on that same team. And again, please, Cal fans, please don't don't get mad at me. But I I do think Aaron Rodgers is the most overdrafted player in the NFC North. You know, he's going the eighth round at a position. We're talking about quarterback that uh, it's you can wait. You know, and I know we say that all the time, but but really though, Aaron Rodgers was not a special player last year. There's they didn't address their biggest need, which was wide receiver, at all. Not through the draft, not through free agency, nothing. I, I don't I don't understand what this this team is doing uh, from a construction standpoint. Um, but whatever. Bottom line is they got no help for Aaron Rodgers. Again, I I don't like the coaches there, so. To me, Aaron Rodgers going the eighth round feels way, way too high, and I get it. You know, it's Aaron Rodgers. By the way, can we can we put to bed this whole Aaron Rodgers is going to have a revenge season, you guys? He's upset. He's been upset for like five years in a row. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like stop, you know? Like, guys, every year he's upset, you know? Like – how many times has it panned out? You know, like at this point, you know, he's an older player. He's got no weapons. He can be upset all he wants, but it's not going to work. So for me, most overdrafted player, Aaron Rodgers. You just turned Aaron Rodgers into old man yells at cloud. Like I never thought I was. All right. All um, right. In with some either ors, uh, like you don't need any deep analysis and you can use whatever criteria you want to pick between these two things. Uh, I will start with you, Liz. Alan Lazard or Anthony Miller? 
Oh, this is easy. It's Anthony Miller. I mean, he was the sleeper I wanted to talk about, but I knew this question was coming. Yep. <laughs> uh, if he can stay healthy, he is amazing. This is a player who I comped to Doug Baldwin coming out of college. Ace talent, posted seven touchdowns in 2018, despite playing through this shoulder dislocation over the last three months of his rookie year. And in 2019, absolutely started slow. But by mid-November, he was back to form. He posted five consecutive fantasy-relevant stat lines and averaged over 86 yards per game from weeks 11 to 15 before spraining his AC joint in week 16. So again, the key is health. But if he has it, Right. And there's been extra time to rest. Um, I think Miller is a fantastic value and sleeper within the division. You concur, Mr. Coe. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm so big on Anthony Miller this year, man. You know, just given the price tag, he's going double-digit rounds. I, I love... I love this pick, you know, mostly because Bill Lazor is the guy that I think could unlock uh, Miller. First of all, Miller's that third-year wide receiver. We know about that trope, that narrative, but I think it, it, it holds a lot of water in 2020. Look, per next-gen stats, Miller saw 90% of his targets from the slot last year. And when Lazor was the OC for the Bengals in 2018, um, he had, you know, a healthy complement of players the first eight games of the season, Okay. Andy Dalton threw into the slot 40% of the time per next-gen stats. Tyler Boyd went absolutely crazy, okay? He averaged six receptions, 80 yards per game to go along with five touchdowns over those first eight games. Look, I'm not saying Anthony Miller is going to give you those numbers, but um, I think the laser offense will feature the slot a little bit more, Um and, and I think Anthony Miller is a great player. So uh, for me, it's Miller all day long. I'm really excited. Um, he, to me, and PPR could be an absolute breakout. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Um, all right. So I'll start with you on this one. Uh, Kirk Cousins or Nick Foles? No, nah, come on. It's still <laughs> – I mean, we can bury Kirk Cousins all we want, but, I mean, Nick Foles isn't even starting at this point. You know what I mean? He's so, going to start no, at some Cousins. point. We know he's going to start. It, I, you're right. probably right. You're probably right. And as a matter of fact, um, you know, Matt Nagy's probably going to listen to this podcast. He's probably going to take my advice. He's going to go with the two quarterback system. Nick Foles is going to get a little burn. But no, look, you know what? I'll, I'll also say this. Minnesota's defense is going to be trash this year. Absolute trash. And, um, and I think, uh, I think that will force Kirk Cousins to for, uh, to throw the ball more than they would like. Um, and so for those reasons, I, I do think Kirk Cousins uh, will have a better fan. I mean, I mean I, we're burying Kirk, but not for a backup quarterback. Come on. <laughs> Come on. You're not gonna, you guys aren't, aren't feeling that big Nick energy? Come on. Like, really? <laughs> <sighs> so I, I assume you're going Kirk Cousins as well then, Liz. <laughs> I mean, I'm going with the player that I think is most likely to play 16 games. So, yes. But right. I do like Coe's point about That's the fair. defense. That's solid. That's fair. Um, all right. Uh, Liz, Tupac or Biggie? West Coast is the best coast. Give me Tupac. All right. All right. I figured, James, where are you going? Nah, don't make me pick, man. Um, look, Biggie's <laughs> the better natural rapper, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, better natural rapper is Biggie, okay? Tupac has the better catalog, though, and that that's not even up for debate, right? So, um I man, uh, God, don't make me pick. Uh, I, I, I will say this: I enjoy if I enjoy Biggie more, but I have way more Tupac songs. 
All right. I feel like if the, if any of the people who run those verses, uh, you know, contests are, are watching or listening to this podcast, can we get yeah, yeah, like yeah, Dr. Yeah. Dre and Diddy and Diddy to do like a versus Ooh, where they just play Tupac? Oh my god! And uh, that would shut the, the, the internet Dre down, and Diddy dude. To play Tupac oh and Diddy songs. Oh my god! That would That's shut the internet down, bro. <laughs> Dre versus Diddy. What? Need, right. They even do their if they want to do their own stuff, that's great. But even they just did Pac and Biggie songs, like whatever, just have them do it. That would be true, 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 true. Um, all right, uh, last one, uh, Liz, softer, crunchy tacos. Wow. Well, I think twenty twenty has brought enough pain, so I don't need little shards of fried tortilla busting <laughs> up the roof of my mouth. So much like my little, my middle, not my little, much like my middle, I'm gonna go with a less soft right now (laughs) (laughs) that is the correct answer listen that's the correct answer because crunchy tacos are just rude all right like you have a crunchy taco (laughs) in your car and like let's say you take that bite now all of a sudden you've got taco bits everywhere you know what i'm saying like to me (laughs) crunchy tacos they're just they're rude like you know what i mean like don't give me a crunchy taco if I give you a crunchy taco, that's like inviting you to drop crumbs all over my floor. That's not what I want. I'm going to give you a soft taco, and you're going to enjoy it. You know what I mean? So so soft is definitely the right answer. I think it's the right answer also because if you go to an actual you know taco truck, they don't serve you crunchy tacos. They give you the soft. True. They give you the small tortillas. Like, you know. True. Like that – I would rather take a, a, a taco from a truck than from like Taco Bell all day. So that's the right <laughs> all answer. Day long. There it is. Yep. All day long. All day long. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on. We went a little bit longer than normal, but I appreciate you guys talking. It was fun. We had a great time. At least I think we had a great time. I hope you agree. Um, uh, for those who don't know where to find your work, Liz Loza, where can they do that? You can follow me on social at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's the same handle for Twitter and Instagram. And then you can check out Yahoo Sports. There's, I got an author page. It's pretty easy. Just go to the Twitter handle. Sounds good. Uh, James Coe, I know you are, you are a man of many places, a man of many talents. Where, where can people <laughs> find you right now? Um, I'm going to be, uh, I just re-upped uh, with both DirecTV and Amazon Prime. So I'm excited to, uh, to get back. Uh, yeah, man. So it should be good. Um, but no, we're going to be back on fantasy zone, uh, for 2020. I don't know how we're going to do it. Uh, but, uh, that is yet to be determined. But, uh, I, I mean, how do you watch, you know, 12 games all at once from your house? Like, I, I, I don't know how we're going to do it. anyways, whatever. Uh, bottom line is, uh, we got fantasy zone coming back, uh, in the fall, which is great. And, uh, Amazon prime, uh, Amazon Prime Show NFL Next. Um, I will be their resident next gen stats analyst. Uh, I was going to mention more stuff, but I guess I can't. So, <laughs> um, uh, but that show will be back as well. Um, really looking forward to that. But man, I, I'm really hoping people will buy into this concept of a micro podcast. Um, it's five minutes. It's called the Fantasy Five with James Coe. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple. Um, we're working on Google right now, but it's five minutes of your time. Just 
throw it into the rotation. That's all I ask. You know, just give me a chance. It's just five minutes. Um, it's coming out, you know, three times a week. First episode just dropped on Wednesday. It was another one. Another episode's coming out tomorrow. Um, and, and, you know, it'll be fun. It, it's five minutes. We just, you know, we just hit the top, uh, the, the, the hot topics and we get in, we get out and, and that's it, you know? So, um, you know, I'll give you some sleepers. I'll give you some waiver wire ads, stuff like that, but it's the fantasy five podcast, uh, with James Go, And I would really appreciate folks to kind of just at least give it a test run. Sweet, dude. I'm I'm all about it. Uh, and by the way, if you're worried about the you know watching all the games, like I don't know, get get Bezos to send you a whole bunch of TVs. Like that dude's got it. He's good for it. <laughs> That's true. That's true, true, true for true. Amazon. Like Bezos is good for it. He can send you a bunch of TVs. And you can watch every game you want there. So uh, before we get out of here, I have my own little bit of shameless self promotion. Sign up for the NFL fantasy game. Go to NFL.com/fantasy. Sign up, uh, start your league, renew your league, get it all going today. Uh, you know, training camp is pretty much upon us. So uh, the fantasy game is live, and uh, we want you all to jump in and play. I mean, there's the reason you're listening to this because you play fantasy football. So uh, come play with us. There you go. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you listening and downloading and watching as always. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, if you have a secret, people will sit a little bit closer. Take care of yourselves. Wear a mask. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.